What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbad Esnashari. That you don't want to go by your official name? I don't even know what my official name is anymore. Scoop F? Oh, no, we're never going to use that name. Okay. Uh, this podcast is being brought to you by Indeed, Bet Online, and Blue Wire. Farbod, it has been roughly a week since we last talked. And in that time, a lot of stuff has happened in the NBA. A lot of players have changed teams. Stuff is crazy. Keeping up with certain trades that have happened. Like, trying to figure out where George Hill is. Where Trevor Ariza is, is a very hard thing these days. Where did Trevor Ariza end up? I don't know. I think he's in Detroit. Last I heard he was Detroit. I don't know anymore, bro. I don't know. Actually, I don't remember where he went at all. So he got traded. Like, he somehow got traded back to Houston and then was in Houston for like six hours. I mean, as long as he wanted to be there, too. Oh, yeah, he doesn't like Houston. Um... It's very, it's very strange. So trying to keep up to date on where these players are is very hard. However, on draft night last Wednesday, the Los Angeles Clippers, when the 19th pick came on the board, it was announced that they had made a trade for the 19th pick. And everyone kind of, you know, their ears perked up like, all right, like, what do they trade? Landry Shamit. They traded Landry Shamit. And in doing so, it was a three-team trade between the Brooklyn Nets, Detroit Pistons, and the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers sent out Rodney Magruder, Landry Shamit, the draft rights to Reggie Perry, who was the 55th pick, and or excuse me, the 57th pick, and Cash. In that trade, the Clippers got back Luke Kennard, Justin Patton, Portland's 2023 second round pick and three completely unprotected Detroit Pistons second round picks from 2024, 2025 and 2026, plus multiple trade player exceptions and the like in the deal. Um, If you just look at a player for player, the Clippers sent out Rodney Magruder, Landry Shamit, get back Luke Kennard, Justin Patton. 
They sent away the draft rights to Reggie Perry, who was the 57th pick, and got the draft rights to uh, Jaden Scrub, Jay Scrub, who was the 55th overall pick. We will touch on those players in a second. But right now, Farbod, that was the shot across the bow. Landry Shamit, essentially Landry Shamit for Luke Kennard. What are your thoughts? Well, I didn't they also get the four second round picks for that, too? Yeah, I already mentioned that. They got the one from Portland and three completely unprotected for some reason from Detroit. I, I Honestly, I wasn't expecting them to trade Landry at all. Uh, I, it was weird because Jovan said he wasn't surprised by it. And I was like, dude, I was surprised because everyone seems to always look at Landry as the X factor of the team where it's like, if he gets hot, things are game over for the other team. And I remember Kevin Durant saying in the playoffs two years ago that like a lot of their game plan was centered around making sure Landry Shamit couldn't get hot. So I get, I, I mean, I guess he had a, I understand he had a bad year and it was interesting because it just felt like all the guys who were mismanaged were the guys who left the team. I mean, that's kind of the way to look at it. Like if you really just look at it, plain as day, that's what happened. Rodney Magruder never really got a chance. He's gone. Landry Shamit, Yo-Yo didn't have the lineup. Yo-Yo didn't roll. Gone. Uh, we'll touch on the others in a second. But essentially, the Clippers swapped Landry Shamit for Luke Kennard. And then they drafted Daniel Oturu with the 33rd pick, which they got in a trade from Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, the, that trade... The Clippers sent out Matthias Lasort, who is a French international player. The, uh, the Clippers had the draft rights to him. He came over in the Tobias Harris trade to, um, I want to say that was the was that the Tobias trade? No, I'm sorry. They got him in the four team Jimmy Butler trade last offseason. So if you if you could give a grade, how about this? Why don't we why don't we give grades for each transaction? Uh, if you could give a grade for Landry being traded for Luke, what what would you say? A, I think, I'm sorry, I don't think. Um, I know that Luke Kennard is a better basketball player than Landry Shamit and will fit the Clippers better than Landry Shamit did, which is not anything against Landry Shamit. It's more or less about Luke Kennard and the way that Luke Kennard will get used. Um, their ability to get four unprotected or essentially, well, the Portland 2023 uh, second round pick, which I which I believe might be top 55 protected or something, but then they get three completely unprotected Detroit picks, and who knows how bad the Pistons could be? Those could be actual assets, you know, to further uh, enrich the team, um, depending on what they look like in the future. And then Nabi Oturu for Lasort, who I it's up in the air if he's ever going to come over and a 2023 Detroit second round pick that they had, I believe in the Blake Griffin, Tobias Harris trade. Um, yeah, I give that like a B or actually, you know what? Probably an A because he's 33rd pick, like whatever I might think he could turn into. It's, it's a shot that you have to take and you really didn't give up much of anything. I mean, I want to say a, but then I also, I can't say a, it's a lot of it is contingent on his health. Like on paper, that trade is a solid A, but you just don't know. Like, is this play? Yeah, you just don't know if he's going to play like 30 games or 20 games or 
40 games. So if he ends up playing a regular season or an okay amount of games, I'd give it an A. But otherwise, to to me, as somebody who has lived through the Blake Griffin and Chris Paul years, where availability was always an issue, I kind of value availability more than almost anything else. Which is so I, why I, I, I understand that. Apprehensive on like, for instance, like Trez, like Trez never missed games in the regular season. I understand that. And in talking with people, the thing I've settled on is this trade might lower the floor, maybe, but substantially raise the ceiling. Because if Luke Kennard's healthy, and he, and for people who do not know, Luke Kennard was diagnosed with bilateral uh, knee tendonitis, which the fact that he was able to play through that pain is absurd. Um, he was actually reportedly going to, I guess, r- rumored to be back on the court right when the hiatus hit back in March. He was actually going to start playing again. So he hasn't played. He has not played a basketball game since December 21st, 2019. Opening night is December 22nd, which will have been a full 366 days since he last played. Now, for those who don't know, in 28 games last season with the Detroit Pistons, he averaged 33 minutes per game. If you round up, round down, however you want to look at it, uh, he averaged 16 points, four assists, three and a half rebounds. I'm not going to round up or down on that. Um, Shot 44% from the field, 40% from three. 89% 89% from the free throw line. It all comes out to be where Luke Kennard last season had a 58.9 true shooting percentage, which is really good. Albeit he only played 922 total minutes, but they're getting a guy. And I watched the film on him because I really needed to be curious about some stuff. And I found old tweets of mine where I compared him to young Goran Dragic. And honestly, that might be what he is. And it's best to remember he's 24 years old. And he's a former lottery pick. He has the talent. He looks good when he plays. The caveat being when he plays is not as often as he or his teams would like. But I believe it's a swing that the Clippers had to take. um, Primarily because I had heard rumors of, you know, Landry being kind of not shopped around, but available. And... I think it's an upgrade from a talent perspective and also from a probably wanting to be here perspective. So um, I think Kennard could be really good. It's all going to be contingent upon his health. And we're just going to have to see what that, you know, unfolds as. It's one of those things where I don't, I just can't judge it yet. Everybody keeps being like, Oh, the clip. It's such a weird dynamic in the media right now where it's like, everyone keeps talking about how the Clippers are losing free agency. And I'm, I don't really see that perspective. I understand the perspective that the Lakers, you know, hit a home run, but I I just don't see how anybody could say the Clippers blew free agency. I think they just want them to dismantle the team or something. So two things. Number one, I think the whole winning and losing free, like the off season or free agency, if free agency thing is like really weird because we're talking about names on a piece of paper and we have to see them on the court first. Cause I remember last off season, you know, people said the Clippers won the off season just because they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and they, you know, they had all these guys and yada, yada, yada. And we saw what happened. So, I mean, and they're, they're not alone. I mean, Philadelphia, you know, same thing. So uh, it's kind of interesting from the standpoint of, 
you got to wait and see what it looks like on the court before we, you know, start prognosticating. Um, number two, I do want to talk about the young guys, the, the draft picks. Daniel Oturu, who went 33rd to the Clippers uh, this past season in the Big Ten with Minnesota, 34 minutes a game, 20 points, 11 rebounds, two and a half blocks, shot nearly 37% from three. He can roll and he can uh, be a post player, but hopefully he's not going to be a post player because he turns the ball over way too much in the post and he's not a you know good decision maker or passer. Um, the other thing with him that's a weakness is he doesn't move his feet particularly well defensively. But this is one thing I do want to touch on. We have not seen him in nine months. And he was working to get ready for the draft. So in the last nine months, the only thing that has been seen from him is workouts in Santa Barbara for teams. So I don't know what he looks like. Most people don't know what he looks like. It's hard to speculate what he could or could not do in the nine months that he's been off. The other guy, Jaden Scrub, comes from... uh, What's it called? Oh my God. I just, ju- the Juco ranks. I, I don't know. I almost called it like prep college. I don't, that was, would be a weird thing. Uh, he comes from the Juco ranks. He played at John A. Logan last year in Juco. He averaged uh, 22 points, seven rebounds, three assists, about a steal and a half, only shot 33% from three, 50% from the field. But his game is that of an athletic wing player. He's six, six, very athletic, very springy. Um, has handles. He's left-handed, if I remember correctly. I, I briefly watched footage on him. He was supposed to go to Louisville, I believe, but academically was ineligible, so he ended up going the JUCO route. Um, look, this development staff with the Clippers now has their work cut out for them, for them with both Jay Scrub and Daniel Orturu. They have their and Kevin Gelly and Terrence Mann, and even Luke Kennard. They they have their work cut out for them. There's a lot of young guys on the team. And hopefully, besides Kennard, a couple of them hit, not to be stars or superstars or all-stars or whatever you want to call them, but to be like uh, influential players, you know? So, you know, look, I don't know what they're going to look like, but we also got to wait and see, you know? So as of right now, the draft was what it was, but at the end of the day, Landry Shamit's no longer here. Rodney Magruder's no longer here. Luke Kennard is here. The team just waved Justin Patton today. So he's not going to be here. So the only thing from the trade is Luke Kennard and the bunch of second round picks. But, you know, the future is a lot different after draft night than I think we even anticipated. Yeah, I think the moment you traded Landry is the moment you kind of realize, okay, so more and more people are going to be gone for sure. Because up to that point, no one really knew, like, are they running it back? Are they adding a piece? Are they getting rid of Trez? Are they getting rid of this? And then once... That was that first, first domino was getting rid of Landry. Twenty twenty has already shaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no 
long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Free agency got off to a bonker start, if you really think about it. If you end up going through the list of players that have signed already, uh, Gordon Hayward gets four years, 120 million from Charlotte of all teams. That was well. Something. I feel like I feel like it started really slow, and then once Trez signed with the Lakers, that's where everything just no, went wild. See, no, you know where it went wild was Detroit because they announced Jeremy Grant for three years, 60 million, and then they announced Mason Plumley, and those were the two that we were just like, what? Like, where did? Where did this come from? Mason Plumley got three years, twenty five million, bro. Yeah, I had, I had a couple players text me being like, "What the f?" Like I should have been a free agent this year. It's just, but I believe Goran Dragic was the first official deal, right? Two years, thirty seven point four million with Miami, but the second year is like a team option or something. I think so, and it's it's interesting because Miami looks like they're just gonna bring everyone back, and I, I don't know how I. How, I mean, I don't know if it's me being a hater or whatever, but I don't know about how much of Miami's success was predicated on being in the bubble. I guess we're going to find out. Um, Fred Van Vliet stays with Toronto for four years, $85 million. Like I said, Hayward goes to Charlotte. Uh, the news came down the pipeline today. Bogdan Bogdanovich had his four-year, $72 million offer sheet with the Atlanta Hawks not get matched by the Sacramento Kings. So Bogdanovich is going to Atlanta, who had a crazy offseason, Farbaugh, because... Gallinari, three years, sixty-one and a half million. They signed Rajon Rondo. They signed Chris Dunn. Um, they signed someone else too, I believe. And it's just like they went after these players, like the veteran mindset players that helped them get in the postseason. Uh, Detroit, who signed Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, loses Christian Wood to Houston for three years, forty-one million. Joe Harris re-signs with the Brooklyn Nets for four years, seventy-five million dollars. 
And Davis Bertans re-signed with Washington for five years, 80 million, with 80 million, which tells me one thing. Parents, make sure your kid can shoot. They'll get paid. Atlanta, Atlanta, it feels like this is how it felt free agency went. It felt like Atlanta and Detroit were like, yo, are you a free agent? We're just gonna sign you. And they just they just signed everyone. Well, if you were a center, Detroit was signing you. Yes. But it looks like Atlanta really I think that if I think that push was to make Trey feel happy with Atlanta. Because I'm sure idea. he is he gets pissed off when he sees Luca getting all this praise and so, he doesn't really get much of anything when Trey is Trey's pretty nasty, you know. You you know why this was smart by Atlanta, and I really do believe this. He's two years into his rookie contract, and so he's under he's under a low cap hit for the next two years. These deals, like Bogdanovich was the four-year deal, but then you look at Gallinari's three years, you know, Rondo's a couple years, Chris Dunn's a couple years. They'll be gone by the time he's ready for like his raise, uh, minus Gallinari and Bogdanovich. But like you could always move Gallinari if you need to to get somebody else. And especially if you package Gallinari with like Kevin Herter, people like that, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish to get another like star. So like in Atlanta, like Atlanta to me made moves not just for this coming season, but for the future. And I understand we're not talking about the Clippers right now. And I do want to talk about them because several moves happened. And for about the first day and a half of free agency, Clipper fans were freaking. I wasn't freaking out because I know how the front office operates. Like they're not going to put stuff out there. Um, nothing happens. And then they announce the first, the first announcement they made was that they were re-signing Patrick Patterson. And everyone just went like lost their minds. And I just thought it was hilarious. I don't know if you did though. Uh, I just was, I think I just kind of shrugged. I didn't, because I would just assume like no. I don't think anyone in their mind is thinking anyone with logical mind is thinking the Clippers are gonna like flub free agency super hard where you have the team that they have right. So I just kind of chuckled like good for Pat. Yeah, um, Jamichael Green signs with the Denver Nuggets. So Jamichael Green opted out of his player option to enter free agents, and so he entered free agency. He signs with the Denver Nuggets for two years, $15 million. Um, it's less than the MLE, the non-taxpayer MLE. Can I just say I'm I'm actually happy for Jermichael Green. He's going to get a bigger role in Denver now that Plumlee and uh, Jeremy Grant are gone. They re-signed Paul Millsap for one year, $10 million. But I feel like this is the role that Jermichael's always wanted, and I'm actually happy for him. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, it was so interesting. When Trez went, I think a oh, lot of Clippers... Let me mention that real quick. Montres Harrell signed with the Los Angeles Lakers for two years, $19 million. That is the non-taxpayer MLE, just so people understand, but go ahead. When when he went, it felt like more Clipper fans, like actual Clipper fans that paid attention to the games, were, were more devastated at Jamichael leaving than Trez leaving because they knew how important Jermichael was. But from the outside perspective, it felt like every person who doesn't actually pay attention to Clippers or their Laker fans, other team fans, thought Clipper fans would be devastated over Trez, but it was Jermichael that everybody was like, oh, that one's going to hurt. 
Yeah, because on the court, Jermichael hurts the worst. Like losing him hurts the most um, because of his ability to play the four, the five, space the floor, be a solid defender and rim protector. Uh, great teammate. Those things hurt to, to lose out on, especially to a team like Denver, who you possibly have to compete with again in the postseason. Um, it, yeah, it is. I think in retrospect, too, it's it's the most unfortunate because those two guys that the Clippers lost went to the two other teams there that are like their biggest competition in the West. Do you want to talk about Trez right now? I mean, what else am I supposed to talk about? Okay, so Trez goes to the Lakers, like I said, two years, 19 million. Um, first off, that is not a snake move. Please do not call it that. Please, I, I can't stand people doing that. Players are doing what's best. No, no, no. I'm 50-50. No, no, I'm sorry. Players are doing what's best for themselves. And I could tell you the Los Angeles Clippers did not offer him a contract. So if they didn't offer him a contract, it's not like they offered him more money and he went to the Lakers. They just didn't offer him a contract. The snake part of it is not that. It's the let's leak everything and create disarray as soon as the season is over, like from his camp. I got livid with that stuff, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've moved on and I would urge everyone else to move on. The Clippers moved on. Montrezl Harrell moved on. I don't think, Uh, I don't think anyone's moved on. You're going to keep hearing about that every single time the Clippers are mentioned by mainstream media. And then it's going to get mentioned on Twitter every single time. Like that, that like, like Yovan's report about like, you know, the Clipper players, like, feeling some type of way about PG and Kawhi getting preferential treatment. Like that never went away. Like people, people would bring that up every single chance that the team would lose. As soon as the team lost two games in a row, that gets brought up again. So those reports, because people have been wanting to tear this team up for so hard because there's such an insane amount of hate towards the team. Like it just gives so much more. And he's the very first one in January I remember because I was interviewing him. He was the very first one to be like, this isn't a good team. Why don't you ask them? And he was the very first one to catalyze Jovan even getting that report out about, uh, he, he wouldn't have even thought there was disarray if he wasn't the first one to do that. So that's where it becomes like, it, it, that's where you if, you, if you were to make an argument about like kind of, doing your part to implode the team or snake or whatever, that's where the argument can be made. I don't think the argument can be made of whether or not he signed with the Lakers. I personally thought he was going to try and get a bunch of money because you you just were six man of the year. It wasn't there for him. Huh? It wasn't out there for him. I mean, he, what is he? The only person in the NBA who couldn't get money? No, but it just wasn't there. I, I, I know it wasn't there from any team. One other team offered him the same amount of money. You mean Charlotte or whatever? Yes. But is that a factual statement or just what people put out online? No, that's real. Because it to me, it's like everyone got paid this offseason. There's no way the dude who just won six man didn't get a big contract or couldn't get a bigger contract. If he's signing with the Lakers, it's probably because like, you know, he wants to opt out, win a championship, raise his playoff value, and then, you know, get the deal that Rondo or KCP just got. See, the thing is, I think he got a contract f- comparable to what his talent level dictates. Um, and especially the play, you know, 
obviously in the postseason, which really did hurt him. Doc Rivers killed him. Doc Rivers killed his market, and you know, COVID killed his market. And he just didn't there weren't any real suitors for him other than those two teams. And I'm sorry, like at the end of the day, if you're any player and you're getting offered the MLE with the Charlotte Hornets, no disrespect to the Charlotte Hornets, or you're getting offered a contract by the world champions, you're going to go to the world champions for the same amount of money. Are you kidding me? Well, Similar role? Just the world champions. It's also you don't have to move. Well, yes, yeah, so you don't also have to move. But like, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like we see teams, we see players do this year after year after year. They get comparable offers from other teams, but go to a, t- a better team because of that opportunity. And so, like, it, the market wasn't there for him. It just wasn't there. What's interesting, too, is, like, players were, on the Clippers, were really, really, really shocked. Like, across the bo- I can guarantee you that whole group chat was blowing up with, like, complete and utter shock at him going to the Lakers. And I don't know whether it was him going to the Lakers or him just not being a part of the Clippers or what they expected. But when he went to the Lakers, they like Pat Bev's reaction on Twitter, like that was a genuine reaction from all the players on the team. So I don't know if it was one of those things where the players thought he was going to come back or if they just didn't expect him to go to the Lakers of all teams. You know what it reminds me of? That the, this is what the front office did with DeAndre Jordan. They just didn't make him an offer and they just let him go because they thought right or wrong. And we'll see if they were right on this one. They were right on the DeAndre Jordan situation was that he just wasn't an impactful player anymore. And I'm sorry. That's the nature of the business. He, he himself, Montrezl Harrell said himself, it's the, it's the business. This is what happens. So he didn't have a market. He went to a team that has a ton of people repped by his agency, clutch sports, which is fine. It's not a big deal. So it's it is what it is. If the Clippers like the Clippers at the end of the day, the Clippers just didn't want him back. That is the actual reality of the situation. It's interesting, though, because it's it's just not a good look coupled with the January leaks and then the leaks at the end of the season. And it's like you're literally the only one. Out of the whole team, the only one that keeps managing to put negative eyes and give people fire. It is what it is. It's the business. I mean, I don't think that's the business. I think that's just it's just a bad look on your part, on an individual part. See, I'm not going to chastise him for that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because back in January, he had no idea everything else like this would unfold. With the hiatus, with COVID, the stuff he had to deal with with his grandmother, like none of like I'm, it was a January 2020 was a completely different world than November 2020. I'll, I'll so, tell you why I disagree with that off the air, but I'm not going to say it on the air. That's fine. I just I'm not going to chastise him for that. I, I I get why people will. I I personally won't. Um, so Montres Harrell leaves. Jamichael Green leaves. Marcus Morris re-signs for four years, $64 million. He was very good with the Clippers, especially in the postseason. Um, he's going to be the starting the power forward again. What happened? Just not against the Lakers. Whatever. Um, just have, we just have to hope we never play the, 
Never played the Lakers. You're way too focused on that. I was just, that's such a crazy stat, though. Eh, it's basketball, man. How does one go like 0 for 19 against one individual team and only that team? It was 0 for 9. No, combined. He's never he's never scored a basket against the Lakers ever as a Clipper. Yeah, he was 0 for 9. No, but he's played them multiple times and he's never scored. He played them twice and he was 0 of 9. No way, it's not 0 of 9. It's yeah. like 0 for 17. No, he was 0 of 9. I'm going to look it up right now. You can go ahead and look it up. I guarantee you he was most likely 0 for 9. Because I think he was 0 for 5 and then 0 for 4. No way. Telling you right now. You look that up. I'm going to keep talking. Do it. After re-signing Marcus Morris and Patrick Patterson, the Clippers announced that they had come to an agreement. Or I'm sorry, the Clippers did not announce. I let me let me let me backtrack. These are reported deals. The Los Angeles Clippers have not officially announced these. So I have to be careful and say reportedly. They reportedly came to an agreement with Sergi Baca on a two-year $19 million deal. That is the MLE, the mid-level exception, the non-taxpayer version. The first year is guaranteed. The second year is an outright player option to give both him and the team flexibility. Ibaka is 31 years old. He comes over 13. from 0 for 13. Yeah, 0 for 9 one game and 0 for 4 another game. Okay, so we split the difference. Um, he comes over from the Toronto Raptors. I told you there was an 0 for 4 game. I knew that. He comes over from the Toronto Raptors. Last season, if you can believe this far, Bob, last season with Toronto at 30 years old, he posted his career high in points, 15.4. Do you know that? Yeah, I, I saw that around the internet and I saw some of just some of the highlights. I mean, I'll let you keep going before I start talking about Serge. He also averaged 8.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, and 0.8 blocks. He did this in 27 minutes per game, which are which is tied for the second fewest minutes he's ever played per game in a season with, I believe, his sophomore season in the NBA. Um, on top of that, Ibaka shot 38.5% from three. If you look at his postseason run, his postseason run was very good. He ended up shooting, I want to say, 51% from three, which is absurd. He averaged 15 points and close to eight rebounds a game. Did that in 23 minutes a game. Ibaka was their backup center, and that will be the role he takes on with the Los Angeles Clippers. Like I said, he's 31 years old. He is not the athletic specimen that he was in his uh, mid-20s and early 20s. So I hope people do not anticipate that he's this athletic marvel running and jumping all over the floor. He is a high intelligence basketball IQ person, which is what Kawhi Leonard talked about the team needing after their postseason. Uh, I guess ousting in the postseason. So he fits that great shooter, good defender, doesn't move his feet as well defensively as he used to, but he's still very impactful as a rim de- defender. And that's what the Clippers needed out of the second unit because they got killed, as we all know, in the postseason every time Zubats came off the floor. And the intriguing part of, of Sergi Baca, much like with Jermichael Green, who is gone now, Ibaka can play the four at times. Not all the time, at times. So theoretically, if the Clippers wanted to go big with Ibaka at the four, you can have Zubots on the floor with him and everything would be okay. This is an A-plus signing. It was... Uh... It was definitely one of those signings where once they lost, firstly, I, I think everyone as they were watching the postseason probably thought, man, the Clippers could use Ibaka right now. I feel like that was the common consensus. 
But secondly, once they lost Jermichael and Trez, it definitely felt like this was the only thing you can do to redeem that and fans will be happy and feel good about going into next season. That was the only move uh, from a big perspective that I thought was like, other than maybe like Christian Wood, I don't know, but Ibaka specifically because of the championship experience where once they got him, I think every fan had like a giant sigh of relief of like, okay, we got the guy that everybody knew we needed to get. I like how everyone on the team kind of has a friend. Kawhi has Serge. PG has Patrick Patterson. Pat has Lou and vice versa. And Marcus has something we don't know. Uh, You know know what I'm actually really looking forward to is uh, Zubats versus Trez because those guys would argue a lot in uh, the locker room pregame, like friendly arguing. But it would be a lot of Trez being like, you better hope we never go against each other one day because I'm going to bust your ass. <laughs> Zoo is like, I, he's like, please try. And there, there was a lot of there was a lot of that. So I'm very, very, very curious to see how that's going to go. Sergi Baca will become the first Clipper to wear number nine since our legendary Tyrone Wallace. The God. I miss Tyrone. Don't you miss Tyrone? I mean, he was... I thought he deserved a better shot to play in the NBA. I did too. Um, you might People might also recall DeAndre Jordan for a little while wore number nine as well. So, you know, there is some history with the number at the Clippers. Not amazing history, but, you know, history, I guess, still is history. Um, as it stands right now, the Los Angeles Clippers have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Moore Sr., Lou Williams, Avica Zubats, Sergi Baca, Luke Kennard, Patrick Patterson, Fiondu Cabangeli, and Terrence Mann under guaranteed contracts for next season. That's 11 players. They also have cap holds still on Reggie Jackson and Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah has a non-guaranteed contract for next season. They can wait to exercise that until opening night. Um, they also have to extend a contract offer to second-round draft pick Daniel Oturu, uh, reportedly Jay Scrub, who was taken with the 55th pick, um, is going to be the second Clippers two-way player alongside Amir Coffey. So to recap, that's 11 guaranteed contracts, two two-way players, and two cap holds. Theoretically, that could be the team. Right there, it makes sense that's the team. That's 15 players. Um, that's not going to be the team. The reason I know that's not going to be the team is because it doesn't make sense. If they were to rena- or just wave Joe Kim Noah and wave Reggie Jackson, they would have 12 players under contract, counting Orturu as the 12th player, and be $5.2 million under the apron. Now, because the Clippers, and I understand this is monotonous talk and far about you're probably just like zoning out right now. Um, because they're under the apron and because they use the non-taxpayer MLE, they are hard capped at the apron, meaning they could not go over it. So they have $5.2 million in wiggle room and they still have three open roster spots that they can fill, not counting the two way guys who don't count towards roster spots. So my theory is they still have the biannual exception that they can use for 3.6 million. I don't think they're using that, at least not now. I think they're going to save the biannual until the buyout market during the season and see if there's like a veteran there 
and offer them that money because that'll be more money than a veteran minimum contract. So what I think we're going to see is I think we're going to see them sign two vet minimum players in the next few days. Are there any two players, which will get them, by the way, to 14 guaranteed roster spots, leaving open one roster spot for that potential buyout candidate? Um, are there two players that are still free agents that you would like to try to see them sign for the veteran minimum? I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Reggie Jackson come back for the veteran minimum. Okay, is there anybody else that you would like to look at for that other spot? You don't you don't like that one? No, no, I'm just saying, like, beyond Reggie, is there anybody else? Oh, I mean, Reggie, I just because I, I felt like in the regular season, he had a lot of pretty decent games. You just just don't give him the starting spot. Like, starting Reggie just wasn't good. Um, and the other spot, they're probably going to need another wing. I mean, I, everybody seems to think it's going to be Batum or something. His agent, but his pronouns, Batum's agent did say six teams have already contacted him about Batum and the Clippers were one of those teams. Um, I'll tell you something off the air, but uh, so that would make sense in the, in the buyout sense. Um, my two guys are going to be Rondé Hollis Jefferson would make sense because he can play the four and Toronto did try him at the five last year at times. But the reason I like him is he can play the four off the bench next to Sergi Baca, who he played next to in Toronto. And they worked pretty solidly together. So I think they could work on this team, especially with a bench unit of uh, Lou and Kennard. Man, I'm saying Lou and Kennard sounds like I'm just saying Luke Kennard. I just realized that. That's going to be tough to work through. Kennard and Lou, is that better? What do you think? No, you're fine. Okay. I don't know if I lost you there. I'm forgetting somebody else on the bench right now, by the way. Kennard uh, and Lou. Who am I forgetting? Kennard, Lou, Terrence? Am I forgetting Terrence? Terrence will probably play a little bit. Terrence probably yeah, play I a little bit. I think he might get more playing time. Yeah, he, he possibly gets quite a bit more playing time. Yeah. Anyways, um, so Rondé Hollis Jefferson will be one guy. The other guy is Shaquille Harrison, formerly of the Chicago Bulls. And I have been pounding my fist on the proverbial Twitter table. However, I have not fleeted about it. Have you used the fleets yet? No, I I don't think I'll use the fleets. I actually fully support that. Never fleet. Only tweet. That should be a slogan on a shirt somewhere. If, God, if my, it, like, at that point, the only reason I would ever use a fleet is if I needed to promote an article. But, like, if, if my article needed to be promoted through, like, bumping a tweet, like, again, like, what is that going to do realistically? Like, I don't know, like, another 20 clicks? Like, Twitter's so janky for link clicks anyway. That's understandable. Anyways, back to Shaquille Harrison. Like I said, I've been pounding the proverbial Twitter table about this guy. 27 years old. So he he would be essentially entering the, the prime of his career. He's 6'4", and I'll touch on that in a second. He's 6'4", with a great wingspan, and he's a tremendous defender 
partly due to his athleticism and partly due to how smart he is. In fact, last season among all guards, he ranked third in ESPN's defensive real plus minus. And he was, uh, by the way, the only two players ahead of him, Patrick Beverly and Chris Dunn. Amazing defenders. According to defensive player impact plus minus, he was second among small forwards. So he's listed as both a guard and a forward. Graded out really well in both defensively. And his 2.83 RPM put him in the top 10 among point guards. His 2.49 Pippum put him sixth among small forwards. That tells you he has versatility. He's a hell of a defender. He averaged nine points, three rebounds, a block, and 1.5 assists, 1.5 steals in just under 19 minutes per game uh, over the final 15 games of last season. Uh, He shot 38% from three last year, by the way, uh, albeit on limited attempts. Um, The Bulls were 11.5 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor compared to off. And I, this is the caveat, two things. Number one, he only played 484 minutes all last season. So it wasn't a ton of time. However, he did make a hell of an impact. Number two, his jumper is a little bit funky, but it works. And it's not that bad to where I think it's a detriment. Um, I think he's a guy the Clippers should heavily look at. Real quick, though, I said he's 6'4". What do you think he's listed at? How much shorter are guys in real life than what they're listed on average? I know in wrestling it's like three or four inches. But okay, so, so just tell me, what do you think Shaquille Harrison's real height is? Or excuse me, what do you think Shaquille, Shaquille Harrison's listed height is, even though his real height is 6'4"? Oh, if it's his listed height, like 6'5 or 6'6"? Six, 6'7". Six? Six, oh, it's like wrestling. Do you know why seven foot tall, but I'm actually six, nine. Do you know why he's listed at six, seven? No. The bulls game ops got him confused with Chandler Hutchinson, who is six, seven. What a bizarre. That's like top five. Most bizarre facts. Anybody's learned in 2020. So there's a video someone posted. I tweeted out the other day. Um, about how they did like this deep dive into why he's not really listed, why he's not really the six seventies listed at because of like pictures and like all this stuff and him standing next to his brother, Monty Harrison of the Miami Marlins, who's six three and they are the same height. So it's kind of like one of those things, like how'd you get to be six, seven and turns out the theory is the Chicago bulls games ops game ops staff staff, incorrectly labeled him six, seven because they got him confused with Chandler Hutchinson. It's a little weird, right? I don't know if it's, I honestly don't know if that's weirder or if the fact that you know, that is weirder. I know a lot of things that you don't know. That's pretty weird. I was going to turn into the sickest burn and then I decided not to do it, but sure you did. I don't know how you know that though. How do I know what that the six, four, six, seven thing? Yeah, because I look for things because you know what it was? I'm going to tell you when I was looking through stuff last night, I was watching video of him and then I went to his b-ball reference page and listed him at six, seven. And then I went back to the video. I'm like, no, that's not six, seven. So I started like Googling Shaquille Harrison height. And if you Google Shaquille, Shaquille Harrison height, I don't know if it does it anymore, but it used to pop up with him being six, seven. So, Oh, right now it pops him up at six, four. 
Um, this is the weird thing that goes on with like the, like the height ism in the NBA is, is it's very weird. And the only reason people know he's six, four is because he also said that he's six, four. And yet his quote was when he got told that both NBA.com and bulls.com listed him at six, seven, he said, quote, they probably got me confused with Chandler Hutchinson. I wish I was six, seven. Just saying, I want that guy in the roster far, I just want somebody to list me three inches taller than I am. I'm not going to touch the joke I want to make right now. The other two vet minimum guys that are interesting, by the way, Kyle Corver and Dwayne Dedman. I'll just list them right there. So did Corver do, was he on the Bucks? Yeah, he was on the Bucks last year. Did he do anything on the Bucks? He shot very well, which you would expect Kyle Corver to do. But like, I don't think I watched for some reason. I don't think I watched any games of him playing. Did he play often? Yeah, he averaged like 12 minutes a game, which isn't a ton, but like it's what you would expect 39-year-old Kyle Korver to average. Shot 40% from three in the postseason. I'm surprised he doesn't just go to the Lakers. So did you see what Tomer tweeted the other day about him? No, I don't think so. Um, So I I had a tweet that said, I'm curious if the Clippers would go after Kyle Korver for the vet minimum, Um, especially because he does have ties to Kenny Atkinson and Larry Drew from Atlanta, from the Atlanta days, and Ty Lu in Cleveland. And Tomer quote tweeted that and said, this is what, quote, Kyle Corver, a native of Paramount, California, told me that he and his family considered to return to Los Angeles to continue his NBA career last summer before ultimately deciding on the Milwaukee Bucks. So it sounds like he might actually go to one of the L.A. teams. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He basically only shot threes. Well, yeah, that's that's all he does. That's Kyle Korver, man. His name's Ashton Kolchek. Okay. Um, man, we covered a lot in this episode. There was a lot that happened in the last week, wasn't there? Yeah, I never want to speak to you again now. Good. Saves me some heartache and grief. Um, if there's any other news that breaks... Between now and, you know, like next Monday, we will come back and pod. Or maybe if you're too busy, I'll find Garrett to do it. Garrett's married now. Did he actually get married? No, he just got engaged. Yeah, I know he got engaged. Jesus, man. I don't think anyone's getting married unless they're just like during COVID, unless they're just like saying screw it and just kind of getting that part done with and then having the wedding later. I mean, it's smart. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, if, like if you actually think about it, if you actually think about it, doing the like, let's just go to the courthouse thing and then we'll do something like more substantial, you know, when it's safe, that might be the route. Yeah. I feel like there's maybe like four weddings I was supposed to go to this summer that every single one of them got postponed. Why well, aren't you just popular? Although I was thinking about it too, because I have other friends that like, they they're they're like the best uh the maid of honor or the best man at their weddings and like they they didn't want to go and their friends were like forcing them to go during covid and they'd be stressed out and i was like well it could be a lot worse this is such a weird time ain't it i mean it's, it's not weirder than you knowing that fact okay do you have any movie quotes to end on yes go ahead Violence isn't the answer. 
but sometimes it is. I really don't like you. Um, so I've been watching Ocean's Eleven like every night just because it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's such a good movie. Um, you know what I watched with, with, that I was comparing? It was Money Heist on Netflix. And I was like, this is like Ocean's Eleven, but everyone sucks. Which one's the Money Heist one again? The one that's like a Spanish show, uh, like in Spain. Uh, that's oh, I haven't seen that one. And that like... One. Yeah, the whole ep- the whole show is them robbing a bank, but like everyone is like everyone sucks. They all like aren't good at being bank robbers. Hmm. And, yeah, uh, maybe I'll watch it. I don't. I don't know. Horny. So the two quotes are the scene with uh, number one is the scene with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt in the bar, and I don't know if you remember Brad Pitt's leaning over the bar with his head on his hands, like just watching TV. And George Clooney's talking to him. He says, do you think we need one more? Do you think we need one more? Okay, we'll get one more. Like, do you remember that part? No, not really. I don't remember Oceans that well. Okay. Well, the other one is Don Cheadle saying to uh, Brad Pitt, quote, it it will be nice working with proper villains again. And that's what I'm going to end on. I have my quote. Oh, God. Go ahead. There are two kinds of people in this world, those with guns and those that dig. Okay, what is that from? The good, the bad, the ugly. I forgot about that quote. All right. He's clearly to Tuco, like right when he has him dig for the gold. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. You got anything else for the good people? Nope. Stay safe, people. Um, Thanksgiving's here. Uh, just stay safe, take care of yourself and also happy holidays. Um, if you manage to make it this far in the year, wish you nothing but the best for you and your family. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>